Hello, everyone, and welcome to another Hacker Noon podcast. Today, we have a guest I'm really excited about. We have Aryan from Vertigo Games. If everyone isn't as hardcore into VR gaming as I am, uh, Vertigo Games is the developer of the widely popular Arizona Sunshine, which I would say is one of, if not the most popular zombie game in VR to date. How's it going, Aryan? Thanks very much for being here today. Hi, that's uh, fine. Uh, how are you? Doing good, doing good. So uh, I'm sure most people in the VR gaming scene are aware of you, but for the people who aren't, could you just please uh, briefly introduce Vertigo Games to them and uh, what your company is about? Uh, yeah, well, uh, I'm, I'm Arjen. I'm a programmer at Vertigo Games, and we make... Um, uh, it's a little bit chopped up in a couple of pieces. The main part is that we make uh, just uh, very um, just VR games. We don't make yeah, non-VR games. We very specialize on the VR aspect. And, uh, and, and I think that's also uh, reflected in our games. Like we are very polished uh, VR interactions and, uh, and titles. And there's also the part where we um, work together with smaller uh, uh, VR studios and release their games to yeah the broader audience and uh, for example we uh, officially still uh, we published them and uh, soon to be released the uh, traffic jams is coming out uh, also a very fun VR game so we kind of try to populate the VR market that way uh, while making also uh, yeah very polished VR titles ourselves so yeah Cool, cool. And have you been with the company since the very beginning, Ariane? Uh, no, Vertical uh, Games is about 10 years old now, and I've been here about three and a half years. So uh, basically when I came here, they already released uh, Arizona Sunshine for the uh, PC version for Steam and Oculus, and they were working on the PlayStation version. So I started there like in the middle of the, the heat, basically. <laughs> they were like crunching and not working hard to get everything ready. And I, uh, the very first project I worked on was the, the Dead Man DLC. That's where I actually yeah, jumped in and uh, they were also working on Skyworld at the time. So around, around that time I joined uh, the company, yeah. Cool, cool. What were you doing before you came to Vertigo Games? Could you just tell us a little bit about your career experience? Uh, well, before that, I was uh, still a student. Like after I graduated, I worked at Vertical Games, but I did a couple of internships. Uh, my first introduction to the VR development was uh, at Handy Games in Germany. We made a little uh, kiting game uh, for the Rift, and then we had to port that to uh, the Gear VR. So that was my first real challenge with all the optimization stuff. And uh, that's with that experience, I came here uh, at Vertigo Games, yeah, just basically a perfect fit. Yeah, that's, uh, uh, real, that's to, really cool. With, with already, yeah. it's, uh, it's quite lucky that your first job after university was with Vertical Games. Yeah, yeah well, I, I lived in Rotterdam and they were also stationed here in Rotterdam. So yeah, I just applied and uh, got in. <laughs> nice, nice. And uh, again, for our viewers that aren't too familiar with you and your company, uh, could you briefly give an explanation of Arizona Sunshine, what it's about and what the gameplay is like? Uh, Arizona Sunshine is a um, yeah, single player and co-op 
uh, yeah, story-driven, I would say, a zombie shooter with a lot of multiplayer aspects. And I think that's uh, what makes it unique with the rest of the, all the, uh, the shooters in, uh, at there. Because you can play the campaign in cold mode um, with a really amazing voice actor, good story. And then besides that, we have the hard modes where you can yeah, beat your score, beat the other, other scores. And yeah, so that's basically in a, in a nutshell, Arizona, sunshine. <laughs> I see, I see. And I just wanted to congratulate you guys on such a great game. You've made such a, an amazing world with Arizona Sunshine. It's one of the most downloaded games uh, of all time on the Oculus Quest, Oculus Rift, and most likely on the Oculus Quest 2 as well. But uh, of course, uh, porting a game for the Oculus Quest comes with its challenges. As we all know, um, the hardware of the original Oculus Quest wasn't the best, and in some cases, developers had to make certain sacrifices or compromises to get games to work on that system. So, in what aspects of the game uh, did you have? Did you and your team have to make sacrifices to get it to work smoothly on the Oculus Quest? Could you tell us a bit about that? Uh, yeah, of course. Um, well, first of all, the Oculus Quest is basically mobile hardware, and before we talk on the the specifics on how, how we uh, down, downgraded the game. Uh, yeah, not really downgraded, but you have to make compromises. The Quest is a very amazing uh, headset, uh, I believe, because it's, it's so free and because of the limited hardware, it's such a lightweight headset uh, to wear. But yeah, of course, because of that, we had to um, do a lot of optimizations, especially for the Quest. Uh, yeah, only on the Quest, because we only, uh, we did, PlayStation 2, but that was a very different kind of optimization for PlayStation than for Quest. Uh, for Quest, it was mainly the complexity uh, that we had to compromise on. And what I mean by that is the, the light reflections on the materials of the, the walls or the canyons or, or on the zombies and the texture quality on the zombies. And uh, because I think we did a really good job on maintaining the, the gameplay of, of the game. It is almost exactly the same game as on PC, except for the graphics. Uh, yeah, that's the biggest compromise. And the, yeah, the second one was uh, in the horde mode map, uh, we had to make a compromise on how many zombies at the same time could be active, especially with four players and four avatars and with all the multiplayer stuff going on. But in the end, I think we had a yeah, very good port. I think I'm very proud of what we uh, made. Yeah, you should be proud of what you've made. And I can tell you the multiplayer runs very smoothly for, for what we're doing. You know, it's quite amazing that you can play with people all over the world in, in one VR map and not have crashes. When you uh, talked there, Aryan, about how the optimizations were very different from the Quest to the PSVR. What, what was different about the PSVR? What did you have to optimize there that you did or didn't do on the Oculus Quest? Uh, for PSVR, it was uh, mainly on the, the CPU side. So that was the challenge of so many zombies, AI, zombie AI at the same time. And uh, at the time we were using, um, yeah, we were still using Unity as an engine. But we're also using Unity Audio at the same time, and we're using a lot of audio to keep to make that world really alive. And that was just 
heavy on the CPU side. Uh, for example, on, on, on the Quest, we used we switched from the Unity default audio systems to using integrating FMOD, which greatly optimized that part um, for Quest. And funny enough, the, the Quest was actually really strong in terms of CPU, and the GPU was a bit on the, the weak side, basically. So it was more of a GPU challenge on the Quest and a CPU challenge uh, for us on the PlayStation. I see, I see, I see. And for people that don't know too much about the Quest's hardware, what about it is limiting? Uh, is the GPU just, you know, not, not uh, can't be compared to PC GPUs? And even with the PSVR, do they just have stronger hardware there? Uh, yeah, well, the, the Quest is using uh, the, a very uh, a mobile chip set for all its calculations. So it's basically the same as what you have in your phone, except they did a very good job on uh, basically overclocking that chip and having enough cooling to uh, support that. So we can get uh, much more power out of that chip than just a normal phone, uh, which just allows us to do uh, VR. And it was basically all fronts. The, G the CPU was the, the strongest part of the, the three, and the three, I mean the GPU and the memory. We only had two gigabytes of memory to work with, and we had to share that memory between the GPU and CPU, which was also a challenge. It was basically juggling, okay, do we have a lot of zombies, with, which takes in CPU power, or, or amazing views, which takes up GPU power. So, yeah, that we uh, said also in like articles, we basically made it from the ground up in terms of, of uh, the, creating the objects and creating the scenes and creating the views and tools to support all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's very interesting. I never thought of it from that perspective of having to choose which parts of the game that you strengthen or you have to make compromises on. And uh, I, I personally love the game. Uh, it's one of my favorite games in VR, and it's one of the reasons I actually bought the Oculus Quest. But, uh, you know, you can read lots of forums, and you have people online that always give their criticisms. And one of the main cons that uh, reviewers say is that compared to some other games they've played, maybe Arizona Sunshine has a bit of a simpler or more basic story. Was there any reason that uh, Vertigo Games kind of decided to roll with a more simple story and not something that has like a crazy amount of lore or, or like a really long RPG element? Was there a reason you kind of went for more action-oriented gameplay rather than focusing on a really deep narrative? Um, that's a good question. Um, at the time that Arizona Sunshine was created, I think the team was about six or seven people. So there was not a lot of space to have these enormous uh, stories and, and, uh, and lore. Um, and basically, we're kind of the opinion that the gameplay matters the most. So shooting the zombies must feel amazing. And the story only strengthens that aspect. And, uh, and we basically choose not, not really the, the in-your-face story, like the, the character talks and you receive uh, some information on the radio, but we also try to um, put a story in the levels, like you, you see some things in the levels and you think by yourself, oh, what happened here? And kind of let the player imagine um, what happened there and what, what the story is, which is, yeah, a little bit 
an effect of having a small team because yeah we, we cannot yeah cover all that ground you know, kind of have to put something up to imagination <laughs> and sure. i think that really worked out well actually um because also yeah the, the story was a bit simplistic but it was really well told and uh, especially the voice actor is is really uh, amazing uh, in, in that regard so yes. yeah it's basically an effect of what we could do yeah basically what yeah with the team size and what we could do yeah, for people that haven't played, the voice actor is really amazing. He he brings like the simplest and smallest lines to life and you can really feel like you're there. And uh, you talked a little bit there, Aryan, about uh, storytelling in VR. And it's a topic that I'm very interested in and that we've talked about on the podcast in the past. Uh, when you're building a game and building a story in VR, is it quite different to how somebody would develop a story for a normal 2D game? Do you kind of have to take other things into account and let the player uh, discover the story on their own more than you would for a 2D game? Um, very different from a normal game uh, in, in the regard that uh, in a normal 2D game, you have very, you have almost absolute control of what the player sees. It's only a screen and, and your mouse and movement. And at any time you can say, okay, uh, stop playing for a moment, have this cutscene, or have this soundbite, or focus on this. And with VR, it's, it's all free. And if you, you don't want to block the, 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 the camera or the, the controls, because that feels really weird in, in VR, especially the camera aspect, if you slow it down or, or force the player to look a certain way, then people get sick. That, that's like literally motion sickness because they, the, the movement doesn't match what they see. So it's really difficult to get the player to focus on a certain point. Um, you have to really uh, work your level design uh, in a good way like to, to flow, let, let the player flow to one part of the level. And kind of hope that they see the things that you put in there. And we, yeah, one part of it is, is it that in Arizona Sunshine, we have these little uh, interaction cir circles and uh, with kind of hints, oh, something is there. And then people look at it and they, yeah, then you get like a prompt then because then we know the player is looking at this and we can give them some information. Yes, yes, very interesting. and. So the game has been out for quite a long time now. You've released the Damn DLC, Deadman DLC, and you just spent a lot of time, I'm guessing, on optimizing it for Oculus Quest 2. Are there any future updates that you and the team plan to do, or is this game kind of in the books and Vertical Game is uh, focused on their next projects? Um, well, the Quest 2 patch, which brings a lot of amazing stuff, we just brought it out. And we're always working on Arizona Sunshine. We always have some ideas and some thoughts. Um, but we also have another big project coming up, uh, which happened in fall. So we're going to have to pick and choose uh, which we want to do. And the uh, realistic side is that the Arizona Sunshine is a four-year-old game. And we're going to have to make the next big thing. That's our goal. That's our vision. So we're... Yeah, we're keeping, we're keeping it in mind. We have ideas and plans, but I cannot say anything about it, when or what. But it's, yeah, it's always yeah, on the planning. <laughs> yes. <laughs> cool. And I've been looking forward to After the Fall for some time now. 
Uh, I'm not sure how much you can or can't say on this podcast, but you could, could you tell our viewers a little bit about what that game is about or what the gameplay is going to be like or what the project is or the genres of it? Uh, I cannot say that much, except for what basically is already out there. Um, it's a, fa- a four-player uh, co-op shooter, uh, an action shooter. It also features it's kind of the same aspect in Arizona beautiful levels with uh, a lot of enemies uh, we're basically focusing on way more enemies and have it the gunplay way more interesting and um focus more on the multiplayer aspect um especially because we saw it done so well on arizona sunshine uh, in arizona sunshine we only have the four player in horde mode and after the fall it's going to be a four player experience uh, from beginning to the end I see, I see. And that's coming out on all platforms, or is it just uh, Quest Rift and PC VR? Is it coming out on PSVR as well? Um, I'm not sure. It's I'm only announced for uh, PC and PlayStation for now. Okay, yeah. Okay. PC, okay, PlayStation, cool. and uh, yeah, I, I can't can see more. <laughs> of course, of course, of course. And uh, on the Oculus Store, it just says, coming soon uh, again if you can't say it don't worry but can we expect it before the end of 2020 is everything kind of going uh, as scheduled um yeah I'm, I'm just gonna say we're very busy on it and it's gonna launch after the fall <laughs> somewhere after the fall <laughs> well yeah jokes aside i cannot say any dates yet but uh, we're working very hard on it no problem, and uh, I wish you the best of luck because I'm very, very much looking forward to that. So let's uh, switch gears a little bit, Ariane, and let's talk about uh, virtual reality, uh, the industry in general. Uh, that's basically what this podcast is for, talking about the state of VR and how things are changing. So one thing that I always love to ask VR developers, since they're in the thick of it and they're the ones who are innovating this industry, um, presumably... The finish line for, v- for VR is a true deep dive experience akin to, you know, the fiction that we see in Ready Player One or Sword Art Online, you know, when you have these full deep dive experiences where you can't tell reality from this fictional world. If that deep dive experience is the true end goal, in your experience uh, and you, in your opinion, how far have we come? How close are we to that finish line of getting something that you truly can't differentiate reality from? Uh, I feel that we're just at the very beginning of it all. Because <laughs> uh, the very first time you put on a VR headset, it's like, wow, it's so much better than anything I've played before because you're really in it and um, and you can see so much more. And But then the, the closer you get to a realistic version, the more like flaws you're going to notice. And then you're going to start knowing, oh, I don't really feel the wind. I cannot really smell anything in this world. And uh, continue, continuing that train of thought, it's like, oh, we're going to have so much more stuff to develop before we get really that, what you say, that deep dive uh, VR experience. And yeah, the end goal is, is not even in sight. <laughs> and yeah, because you, yeah, you, how far can you go? Uh, yeah, because now we only have, I think we're just the very start of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, if we are, we're not, so your, your opinion is like, we're, we're not very close to it yet. We're just at the start. 
what do you think is holding the industry back? Is it the hardware that we need to wait to catch up to what you want to do? Is it that the industry is just too young? There's not enough people in it. What do you feel is holding the industry back from getting that push towards true immersion? Um, well, I don't really know the specifics of like creating implants or something because I think that's going to be the yeah the very close thing to like actually projecting the images in your head or something like that. Mm-hmm. So I've I've no idea. It's uh, and I know that Oculus by what they've done so far with like the wireless Quest and uh, with the, the the hand tracking and. Uh, yeah, you also see some other companies doing something with eye tracking, which is also really interesting. So I think all those things together will tell us, okay, this is this works. We're going to iterate on this, or this doesn't work. And yeah, hopefully it all comes together at at the end, mm-hmm. maybe in ten years or something. But yeah, mm-hmm. cool, cool. You, you touched on a few things. Uh, you touched on a few things there, like eye tracking. And one of the things uh, or aspects that I'm interested in is haptics. You get lots of these companies that are making haptic vests or, you know, haptic rifle stocks. Um, Do you think haptics are one way to go to make VR more immersive? And is Vertical Games kind of interested and uh, investing time in optimizing their games to work with these haptic devices? Do you see a future of the industry moving towards uh, these accessories? Um, Yeah, uh, uh, I think some of them really work. Um, besides the normal consumer games you have here, we also um, making stuff for arcades, um, which are more location-based VR, which is something you cannot do at home. So I can actually walk around, move around, and we've been experimenting also a little bit with uh, props, levers, and walls that you can actually touch. And also with, what you said with, with guns or, or props. And I think, for example, the, the rifle props really add to the experience because they're so close to what you see in, in VR. Uh, but the funny thing is actually, um, we did some experimentation with uh, a company called Nomadic. Uh, they made actually props like walls and, and levers and buttons. Is that when people first did that experience, uh, first they were amazed by the VR and then they started touching stuff. But once they were able to shoot zombies and play the game, it, it didn't matter. The, the game was the most important thing. And, and then the rifle really adds. And they were just shooting and shouting and, 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 and playing. And then it doesn't matter if there's a real wall or not. Uh, yeah, the game was the most important part. So, yeah, so some of them really worked. Like, for example, a rifle or like some... Uh, it sort of feels like a gun. And some others, yeah, it's a very niche thing. Good work, but yeah. You you talked a little bit there about arcades, which I found really cool, especially since you said Vertigo started with such a small six to seven person team. I remember last year I was home in Canada and I took my friends to VR Arcade and Arizona Sunshine was one of the main games that they were pushing. Uh, maybe you or Tamtu sitting next to you can talk a bit about the market that Vertigo has created. Do, do most of your sales come from one particular platform? Are you mainly focused on consumer VR or do you guys uh, focus on catering to these big arcades? Uh, well, I don't know anything about sales, but I know that the arcades market is growing 
there's a lot of uh, uh, people interested in, in that kind of stuff, especially, for example, uh, um, some company um, parties or something, instead of go uh, the, uh, booking a go-kart, they will book an arcade VR uh, experience. Mm -hmm. So in that regard, it does really well. And our focus is yeah, the consumer VR games. And uh, from based on that core game, we kind of like, oh, experimenting in the VR, uh, in the arcade section. Okay, how can we make this even more awesome with, for example, the expensive props and the space? Uh, yeah, that's yeah, that's basically the story. I'm not sure if Tom wants to add to it. Yeah, um, VR arcades are a very important pillar to our strategy in um, making sure that you know um, VR development uh, expands um, not just in home but out of home as well. Um, like you know how sometimes uh, some theme parks have adapted VR to their rides. Um, yeah. That's really cool, but also very niche. And uh, so the closest thing that our kids can do is offer uh, an out-of-home uh, location-based experience. And um, apart from the games that we develop internally already for the uh, home headsets, uh, we do have um, experiences and games uh, uh, developers that focus on titles specifically for VR arcades as well. So that's a market that uh, that's growing as well and something that we really support as well. Yeah. I know that when I uh, worked on some of these arcade levels, uh, we designed those on six by six meters, and with some clever level design, you just get lost. You kind of walk the six by six meters, and then you go in the game, and you, you go into some elevator, and then you go down the floor, and you step in some cart, and then for you, you feel like you you traverse this enormous space, which are still on these six by six meters, and it it feels amazing actually just to yeah, get lost in that world and then you put off your headset and you're in some completely different uh, environment where you started in and it's yeah it's, it's a lot of fun yes i've had some of those experiences myself i'm not sure if the one you're talking about is tea for god but th that's a cool one that's on side quest it's it's really similar and uh you talked uh, a little bit earlier about you know um developing these new experiences and how at vertical games you're trying to you know push the envelope and always focus on the gameplay and i'm interested to hear as a developer what changes or advancements do you want to see in the vr industry in the next five years you know what's something that you wish that the oculus quest headsets had that would just make your life easier and that would allow you to make better games and more immersive games um let's think well one of the yeah, difficult things was the the limited hardware on the Quest. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, that kind of forced us to optimize the game better. So now our next game is going to be yeah even more optimized, but then hopefully with a bit of, uh, with better graphics because we learned from the past. Mm -hmm. So in that regard, um, it's cool to have these limited uh, hardware devices. Mm -hmm. But a little bit extra power, like the Quest 2 offers us, with, uh, mm -hmm. which we showed with the Quest 2 patch. Uh, we can just finish the game, basically. It's more particles, more feedback, more polish in the game. So, yeah, I think the way they're going now with, uh, with the Quest 2 and, for example, the hand tracking is really interesting. So, yeah, I think they're going the right way on it. And there's so many more players uh, on Quest and Quest 2 
in comparison to just PC VR, it's it's actually insane. And more players is just more fun and more content, and yeah, we can do more stuff with more players. So, as you said, you know, there's lots more players on Quest now than there ever were before. And I think part of that is uh, due to the coronavirus. Most people are staying inside. And while it's not a good thing, I, th- I think that the coronavirus has helped push the VR industry to new heights just because, you know, more people are inside, more people are looking for ways to feel like they're outside when they're stuck at home. And I think um, that's one of the amazing things that VR does. Uh, but it wasn't always like that, you know, and I was reading a few interviews to prepare for this podcast, and in 2017, uh, there was this article with the CEO of Rocketworks, and uh, he was quoted saying that there is no money in VR game development, and people shouldn't do it. Uh, do you think this is still true in 2020? Why or why not? Um, yeah, in comparison to console development or other AAA companies, it's it's peanuts because it's so small and there's not a lot of players and not a lot of headsets to sell. Uh, it's very expensive to, to step into VR. And um, right now it's way easier with the question, just put it on and you can play. But uh, like a couple of years ago with, for example, the Vive, you have to set up these sensors and you have to calibrate and you're more time spending on setting everything up than playing the game. So in that, regard it's always it's already easier to uh, get players inside vr which makes the market automatically grow bigger because it's way more attractive you don't need a very expensive pc to play all these cool games um but in regards to what he said it's actually yeah i think it's true uh because yeah it's very small and niche still but you can see it's kind of a small explosion happening in terms of players and accessibility to VR. It's basically, yeah, and also the, the culture, it's, it's the gaming culture gets more accepted. If you say 10 years ago that you were a gamer, you were like a nerd, you know, I don't want to hang out with you. But now it's like, the, especially with the new generation, I think it's way more accepted that people just game. So the console markets is still growing and VR is just like following in footsteps. That's how it feels anyway. Yeah, and I think you're right there with how Oculus Quest really did change the game. Uh, I was into VR from the heyday. I I remember I went to my friend's house and he had a $2,000 Vive set up. He also had a (laughs) $1,000 laptop. So you're right. It it was a huge investment for people back in those days. But right now the Quest is $299 USD. It's it's cheaper than the Xbox, cheaper than the PS5. I think that's really going to make a big difference here. One thing I normally ask uh, VR developers to get their opinion on is, when do you think that the number of VR gamers will match or surpass the number of console gamers there are in the world? Do you think that's something that'll happen in the next five years, the next 10 years? Um, it, it kind of depends if it stays in gaming. Uh, I know that Oculus and Facebook is really pushing it for the social aspects as well as the gaming aspects and maybe merging a little bit, a little bit. Um, but also because it's already established. Uh, if you want to play the next Zelda or Mario, you need uh, a Nintendo Switch. And it's never going to uh, come into yeah, VR. Yeah, maybe, maybe it does. I don't know. Uh, it could be because they have the uh, Nintendo Labo VR as well. So yeah, uh, yeah I, who knows? <laughs> And but but if it's somehow 
uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a game developer, so I don't know, but somehow it's way better to communicate like we do now on Zoom. It's something like Zoom VR or something, which is way better in some aspect. Then it could explode and like everyone using uh, a VR headset or maybe it becomes even more accessible than the Quest already is, then yeah, it could also explode. Mm -hmm. So it has a lot of possibilities. And yeah, I'm very interested to see uh, where it goes. But uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, cool. And uh, on that note about uh, Facebook and Facebook Horizon, one of the uh, big things in VR news recently was the announcement that Facebook would require new Quest users to create a Facebook account. Uh, as somebody who's part of the industry, what, how do you guys feel about that? Were, were you worried that this would put people off of VR? Do you think that, you know, it's just something that's out of our hands? Or what, what's your opinion on uh, that new story? Uh, my personal opinion is that it's, yeah, it doesn't matter that much, I think. Uh, the moment Oculus got bought by Facebook, it was kind of expected, actually, but hmm. me personally. Um, but I, I get why it's scaring people off a little bit because uh, now Facebook is in my Oculus and it's even closer than it was before. <laughs> like it was already on my phone, now it's in my VR and I see it everywhere. So yeah, I understand the, um, the scariness, but yeah, I think it's not a bad thing that it happened. Uh, not necessarily a bad thing, let, let's say, put it that way. And. Uh... One question I had that uh, I came up with recently, it's probably not something that you prepped for. Uh, I've been playing uh, Walking Dead Sainted Sinners, been playing a lot of Arizona Sunshine, lots of these uh, gory zombie games. And uh, one thing I, I kind of thought about is, you remember those days where people were getting angry about Grand Theft Auto, how much violence there was in Grand Theft Auto. Um, I feel like the amount of violence or gore that's acceptable in a 2D game is probably more than what might be acceptable in a VR game. Do you guys ever have um, kind of chats or discussions about ethics or morality of what you can or, or shouldn't include in a game in VR since it is more immersive and these people will be uh, doing these actions with their own hands rather than just pressing a button? Yeah, that, that's actually a very interesting point. Uh, at least my colleagues and I are discussing those points like is this too far maybe <laughs> or mm -hmm. can we do this but maybe package it in a, in a gamey way so we don't really say okay do this but it's uh, do this but in a game manner for example in Arizona sunshine um, you shoot zombies of course but not, nothing holds you back from putting the gun on your head and shooting yourself you know <laughs> that, that's a very ethical stuff do we let the player kill himself yes or no and we choose not to, yeah, for obvious reasons, because we don't really uh, want to support suicide. <laughs> but yeah, it, it's it's one of the things we, we're like, yeah, uh, can we do this, yes or no? So yeah, it's, the, yeah, we have a lot of discussions about it, and there's always new stuff coming up. Um, we had in some arcade level we had a train coming by and what if the player stands inside of the uh, on, on the rails you know and let the train yeah and then we because that happens when we place that and we're like oh we're not really uh yeah maybe people get confused and think 
that real life also you get respond and you know you kind of redesign the level and that it never happened that only the zombies get killed by the train not the players so yeah it's a really point of discussion and we actively think about it when we implement all these new features in, in our games well, cool. Hacker Noon has a really big uh, developer readership, and some of the people watching this might be amateur game developers or even professional game developers like yourself. What is a big complication that you and your team experienced either building a new game or porting your games to the Quest? What's like a, a can you think of a learning you had that uh, maybe if you teach this to other developers, it might save people headaches down the road? Was there any really big issues you had when? Ported games to the quest. Um, well, I, I think one tip I can give developing multiple platforms: don't be afraid to just cut stuff out of your game just to make it run. Uh, and that doesn't necessarily mean release with that kind of state. But in the very early prototypes of Arizona Sunshine, it was just a cube world, and we only mm. were focusing on the the gameplay. Only zombies, only shooting, see if uh, we can get the same gameplay on the Quest as on PC because that was very important to us. And then add all the other stuff uh, to the game. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think that was the, the biggest, cool. yeah, interesting part from the Quest development. Yeah. Nice, nice. Well, thanks very much, Aryan and Tamtu. That was all of the questions I had for today. But uh, before you go, maybe the two of you can let our viewers know what Viroga Games is working on, what uh, people can be excited for in the near and the far future. Uh, yeah, but we're actively working on uh, Afterfall, the next uh, big uh, four-player co-op shooter. Uh, we're also uh, releasing uh, uh, Traffic Jams in a couple of months, I think. And the arcades is still booming, so check out if uh, in your local area, if, if Arizona Sunshine is uh, playable, if so, go there because it's really fun. And I think you can find us on at Vertical Games on Facebook, Twitter, I don't know if we have a Twitch. Yeah, yeah, we have a Twitch. And after the fall specific content, we have a Twitter for that. It's after the fall VR, I think. So check that out. And yeah, I think that's it. Cool. And we'll definitely have all of the links to uh, Vertigo Games' social media and websites in the show notes below, so be sure to check that out. Thank you very much for your time, Aryan and Tamtu. This was a really fun conversation. Yeah, yeah, and it was fun for us too. Uh, something uh, different than uh, making games. <laughs> Thank you for watching another Hacker Noon podcast. If you liked what you saw, please don't forget to give us a like and subscribe to the channel for more future podcasts on virtual reality. Also, be sure to catch Vertigo Games on Twitter, Twitch, and YouTube. Thanks, and see you next time.